You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 71, The Rise and Fall of Dark Phoenix. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Etcher and Mandy Etcher. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 71 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrick. Hi, Brian. So we've got some television news today, and unfortunately, we also have some movie news today. Unfortunately? Yeah, mm. because I went to see Dark Phoenix. Ah, uh, yes. So uh. we, we, got a, we got a lot to unpack <laughs> there. But I, I did want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, one... And I, I, I got to bring this up at the top of the show. Did you see the Chris Hemsworth video? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh-uh. There was a video posted of him uh, on the set of Endgame in his cabin, you know, fat Thor dress with a guitar playing and singing Hurt. Did you <laughs> No. <laughs> no, what I found... Uh, the one, Nine Inch Nails, Johnny Cash. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of people said, oh, he did a cover of Johnny Cash, which I found a little bit funny he's like well no he did a cover of nine inch nail unless he was trying to do it in the manner of johnny cash doing nine inch nails Mm. yeah there's a but it was hilarious (laughs) it's it's still out online if you if you've not seen it check it out certainly uh but i I was just dying now does he play the guitar or is he yes wow he was actually Mm -hmm. he's chris hemsworth he does everything seriously uh, he's he's the Hugh Jackman. Uh, yeah. Just you know, I want to see him tap dance now. So there you go. I, but uh, yeah, it was it caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it, and I saw it and uh, was watching it, and I it was it it was just hilarious. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Uh, something that isn't funny, and and what you brought up because I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Apparently, GameStop's going away. Yes. Uh huh. GameStop is swallowing up. Think Geek. It's kind of like they're going away, but they're not exactly. They're just being absorbed. From what I can tell from the website, after you mentioned it to me, I looked it up, and apparently there's going to be a Think Geek section of the GameStop. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Although very dangerous for me, because (laughs) to be honest, yeah, the impulse buys, if I walk in there, my impulse buys, because, you know, I'll be on Think Geek and fill up my cart and think, "Mm, do I really need these Han Solo ice cube trays? And, you know, that I'll delete them. But if I go into GameStop and there's Han Solo ice cube trays, it's very likely I'm going to get them. Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, now, uh, because they are going to be part of GameStop, I guess the website's going to go away in July. But as of right now, I think everything at the site's supposed to be 50% off. Oh, man. So, yeah. Payday is not until next week. Yeah. Uh, well, Obviously, you're still going to have some time, so because mm-hmm. apparently it's not, it won't be going away until I guess uh, the first part of July. So, so definitely uh, still be a good idea for me to stay off there because again, do I really need twenty sided dice to hang fuzzy dice to hang from my mirror? Probably not, but you know, if they're like you know three bucks on there, I'm going to get them. So yeah. <laughs> I need to stay away from that. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm definitely going to miss about about think geek is of course one thing always we we've talked about it on the podcast every year of course the mm-hmm. the april 1st products yes. they would always come out with and oh, so loved them. on occasion they would actually become real products so yes uh-huh. but 
not being able to to see that again is going to be sad. Of course, I I've been a customer of GameStop and uh, since you know they started in the late nineties, mm-hmm. and I've back when it was a magazine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but of course, uh, it's a. Uh, it's it, it's it's going to be a shame for it to go away certainly mm-hmm. and I'm definitely going to miss that I don't know like I said how how big a part of GameStop it's going to be but I guess we'll find out mm-hmm. now let's talk some trailers because there were a couple of trailers that came out this week that I wanted to mention of course Doctor Sleep Doctor Sleep yes and you've seen that I have now of course on the podcast we were talking about okay is this going to be a sequel to the book or a sequel to the movie. And we see a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Flanagan, who's the director, he said the movie is going to be a sequel to the movie and the book. Yeah, you definitely see little Danny in, mm-hmm. you know, that, that carpet. Everyone knows the carpet right. uh, on his big wheel. So see little Danny there. Now you do see, a, I mean, you do see a lot of scenes from uh, from The Shining. Now, when I say you see a lot of scenes, you see a lot of things that you'll recognize. But here's the thing. The elevator and the blood coming out of the elevator, of course, that's the iconic thing that mm-hmm. you remember. That is the only scene that's from the original film. Everything else was really? recreations. Yes. The little boy. Uh, mm-hmm. Really? Uh, yes. That's a recreation. Because it looks exactly like him. Wow. Yes. They did a good job there. Yeah. So apparently a lot of that is going to be parts, uh, part of the movie. But what uh, Mike Flanagan, they went and, and talked. They talked to... Um, Stephen King, and he had to basically approve everything. But of course, everybody knows how Stephen King felt about Kubrick's film. Kubrick's yeah. film, mm-hmm. exactly. But but apparently, he was not only was he okay about it, but he was encouraging them to to go forward with it. And so, excellent. Kubrick Estate, they're they're happy with everything, also. But there's just so many differences between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Even the room number is different. Mm. You know, because it's two thirty seven in the movie, and it's two seventeen in the book. Uh, the reason for that is the people who owned the hotel, the real hotel that, of course, the it was overho- filmed in. Mm-hmm. It, it was filmed in. They were like, "Don't make it room two seventeen. We have a room two seventeen. People mm-hmm. won't want to stay in that room." Mm-hmm. So they made it two thirty seven, and there's no room two thirty seven. So nobody's going to freak out. So mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? And then, of course, you have characters that died in the movie that are alive in the book and mm-hmm. are part of. Doctor sleep and all that. So right, especially part of Danny's training and right. You know how does he control uh, the shining? Because that's that was a big right. deal in Doctor Sleep. You him learning how to control this and right. put it all in the box and right. And of course, I, the biggest thing is in the book the uh, Overlook Hotel burns to the ground, mm-hmm. and in the movie it survives. And in um, in Doctor Sleep, the, we see the hotel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but looking at that. I, couldn't help but wonder, like, is this, are we really seeing something or are we seeing Danny have hallucinations? Is this some sort of a mind trick? Yes. Uh, is he, is he really there? So how would they bring that into the Dr. Sleep story? It would be interesting to see it. Yeah. But is he really there or is this in his mind? Is, is he hallucinating? That, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And until, of course, until we see the movie, uh, there's no way to tell for sure, mm-hmm. but certainly, it's a tight rope to walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just a matter of you know, the book and the movie aren't, you know, they're in a sense two different things. But, you know, mm-hmm. you have, you know, Stephen King, who who has not at all what he felt about the movie. And, of course, when he wrote Dr. Sleep, a lot of that had to do with 
he deliberately made sure that he ignored the movie and he went strictly by his book mm-hmm. and made it a point that the book definitely would not match up with the movie. Mm-hmm. So, But everything I've seen that I recognize from Dr. Sleep, you know, the, the chalk on the wall and mm-hmm. the chalkboard and the, the steam hunters, that really matched what was in my head the entire time that I oh, was yeah. reading it. You know, it, the steam uh, stealers and uh, that looked... That looks spot on to what I thought. So, oh, yeah. so far, I'm I'm yeah. looking pleased. Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling that what Mike Flanagan wanted to do in this movie is, whether you're coming from the book side of it or you're coming from the movie side of it, you're going to feel you're going to feel okay. satisfied. There's mm-hmm. going to be a sequel to both, in a real sense. And so, I can't wait to see it. I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to it. Uh, the other uh, trailer that I saw, and of course, this movie is not going to be coming to the theaters it's going to be going straight to video but we talked about this on the podcast before the banana splits horror movie oh they finally released a trailer for it huh. so okay looking at the trailer i kind of get the feeling this is the banana split slash five nights at freddy's <laughs> so it definitely has that feel to it uh-huh. so you know, when we talked about it before, I was wondering, you know, is the banana split sort of, uh, are they the backdrop to this and there's some sort of serial killing going on on mm-hmm. the set? But then you see the trailer and you realize, no, the banana splits are the killers. Wow. They went there. I did not expect that at all. I really didn't. And it looks like they, um, one of the banana splits, I, th- I think it's Bingo, has part of his face burned away. And... It looks like it's robot. It's robotic, so that's where I get this whole Five Nights at oh, Freddy's like, um, kind of feel to it. Well, uh, around here it was it was Billy Bob's Wonderland, but I think nationally it was Showbiz Pizza. Yeah, yeah, they had animatronics. Right. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's what I, I never really I never play Five Nights at Freddy. I know of it. Yeah. You know, it's a children's restaurant, and you go eat pizza and you play games, and then they have these animatronic robots that sing and dance. Right. So that's what the banana splits are going to be, huh? Yeah, it looks like that's the route they're going. So they're, okay. they're taking a page from the Five Nights at Freddy's game, which is, well, for somebody who grew up with banana splits, possibly traumatizing mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, that that's one thing. I'm 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 a, I'm a big fan of horror. So it, it's kind of got me already, but I don't know if I want to go there, but, uh, but I guess we'll check it out. But something else that, that popped up in the news, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit of TV. We've been talking about all the different streaming services are coming out. And of course we mentioned, I think it was last week, how Warner Brothers is going to be coming up with their big streaming service. Mm-hmm. And they decided they're coming out of the gate strong because they've announced one of the shows they're going to have on the streaming service. They're going to have a Dune TV series. Did you hear about this? I didn't, but uh, we've got the movie coming yes, out. Yes, we so do this- have the movie coming out. And the name of the TV show is Dune the Sisterhood. Okay, all right. So this is kind of a companion, not, you know, we're not going to see two Paul Atreides simultaneously. No. Okay, all right. As a matter, So this movie, of course, is about the Bene Gesserit. Uh, Gesserit you know. uh, well, I just, I always said Bene Jesuit. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Je- well, that, just, you might be, your pronunciation might be better than mine. I, I don't know. That's, I'm, I'm, um, mm-hmm. I don't remember how it was pronounced in the movie. That's what I saw in my, in my uh-huh. head when I read the, uh, well, I, the, read I listened the book. to it and, uh, they said Benny Jesuit. And, well, I do know in the movie they call her Alia, but in the audiobook they call her Leah. So, don't know. Maybe this is kind of a kind of choose your own, you know, uh, 
pronunciation oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> oh, very possibly. Mm-hmm. Now, thing is, this is taking place in the world of the movie. The, the director of the film, Denis uh, Villeneuve, he's going to be directing the pilot. Okay. So this is, it's going to be a TV series based off of the movie that's coming out. Okay. And it's going to All be right. tied in together. So, so definitely taking a page from Marvel's book, certainly on that. I always found the the sisterhood, you know, f- you know, you don't get an awful lot of about uh, about them in the of course the first Dune movie. Mm-hmm. You get more obviously, you get more about them in the book, but mm-hmm. really to have a TV show based in their world and to see a lot more of them. Uh, yeah, well, everything that y- you do here, I mean, even in the books, in the in the movie, what you do hear of them is rather unsettling. Yeah. I mean, the very first woman that you see uh you know, in the book, she takes a 14-year-old kid. In the movie, it's, you know, uh, Kyle McLaughlin and, you know, says, I'm going to kill you if you don't put your hand in this box of pain. And <laughs> they are they are frightening women. And they've been controlling genetic bloodlines. Right. So these yeah. are scary, scary women. Yeah, very, yeah. you know, very, uh, very religious, but also able to play the political game mm-hmm. perfectly. So... Being able to delve into their world into this TV series, like, well, daggone it! Now we got another service mm-hmm. we we got to purchase. So, um, but uh, sticking with television, you did finally get to see the first episode of Nosferatu. Yes. So mm-hmm. opinions. I'm happy with it so far. Like I think what they've done with it to adapt to television mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Keeping her in high school, uh, saying that that's when she discovered her powers. Uh, it kind of. That took out the uh, the complication of having to, you know, have multiple casts of her as a little girl discovering her powers. And then, you know, growing up and becoming 17, starting to fight Charlie Manx as a teenager and then as an adult. So where they're going with it right now, um, I'm I'm liking it and uh, that they've made more connections between what will be important characters so far. You know, uh, like when Vic gives the magazine to the janitor you know that kind of connection there is really interesting so i'm 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 excited about so far so i'm i'm really looking forward to the rest of it it uh it definitely you know it feels it feels like the world of nosferatu and um i like what they've done with maggie and that's the character i enjoyed uh one of the things was with maggie in the book that she had a stammer they haven't done that in this tv series so far so um I have to see why uh, why they've chosen that yeah. route. Which well, is- well, it's, it, she mentions the fact that she has a stammer, but she doesn't. Okay. I mean, it's not displayed. It's not mm-hmm. displayed an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's in? And I'm trying to remember what the name of the uh, of the actor who's playing playing Maggie. I, she didn't have a lot of experience on television, mm-hmm. but people who watch YouTube they recognize her. She's a YouTube okay. star, huh. and which was an interesting casting choice. Yeah. Uh, although. The, the video she's known for is she she's joking about contouring and she's doing a, a makeup contour and how if people knew how women could change the shape of their face using contour, they'd burn them as witches, etc. So, <laughs> um, very comedic, funny piece. But uh, yeah. when I saw her, I was like, I know her from somewhere, and, but I couldn't uh, I couldn't figure it out. And then I, then I remembered the video and I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, that's. But it was, like I said, it was a very interesting casting choice. One thing, certainly, uh, about uh, Vic, because of the fact that they don't start her out as a kid, mm-hmm. and you haven't seen the second episode Mm-mm, yet, no, and I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail about okay. it, but because she's rather new to her, her powers, that gives her the ability as a character to, and you see this in the second episode, to 
when she gets an idea idea about what her um she may have a duty to do with this she's holding off on it you know that Mm -hmm. what what i guess you could say in the hero's journey you know the rejection of the call is 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 that she's like i don't want any part of this and because of the fact that she doesn't really understand her powers at this point she hasn't had them for very long Mm -hmm. that really makes that easier to get into and it does streamline the story a little bit now one thing i can definitely say is does feel a little bit smaller does feel more more tv than it would like a a movie Mm -hmm. I think with the budget, you know, you're you're going to see that. But it, it seems it seems a very intimate story, which I'm enjoying the heck out of. Like I said, I don't feel like I I need it to be a big sweeping epic. It's telling an intimate story, which I'm really enjoying. And uh, of course, we've got um, four more. I think it's a six episode miniseries. Mm-hmm. So we've got four more to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely, um, once it's uh, gone all the way through, we de- we'll have to do a review of it for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's talk some movie. Because uh, <laughs> last weekend I, I saw Dark Phoenix, which I, I don't think yeah, you've had chance no, to see. Uh-uh. It. The news is basically saying that uh, this movie is probably going to lose about $100 million. <laughs> wow. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the things circulating around this movie. Because, I mean, of course, everybody's saying this is the biggest bomb in, in the X-Men franchise and and probably one of the biggest movie failures in recent history this movie never had a chance let's just be honest it's starting to sound like it yeah there was so many things going against this film from the get-go the one main thing of course is that it's based off of the phoenix saga slash dark phoenix saga in the comic books which i want to say it took like four years worth of comics wow to tell that tell that entire story so you know you're not going to get that in one movie i mean phoenix as a character jean gray was only in two movies and she really wasn't that much in the first movie although she became the impetus of meeting the villain in apocalypse you know she she defeated apocalypse but of course in the, the movie after that it's in a sense they almost ignore that continuity they mess up their own continuity because apparently she had that power and then she didn't have the power and then she got it back so the continuity is a little bit screwy in this movie but yeah i mean you don't have a lot of time with jean gray to care about her before they throw her into this mess you've got i mean she's really in half half the movie of apocalypse and then you know of course she becomes the lead in, in this film so yeah, I mean, you're not going to boil down four years worth of comics and that continuity into a, really a movie and a half that's being really pretty generous. And then on top of that, of course, you're you're basically doing a soft reboot of the of X3, which was the least liked of, <laughs> of those movies. And so we're not counting. I mean, origins. Yeah, Wolverine. I mean. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you say X, X2, and X3. Uh, uh, the that original was, trilogy. Yeah. Of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And yes, that was 19 years ago. God, I just said that. It was actually 19 <laughs> years ago. I'm an old geek. But people still remember that movie, even though, yes, it was 19 years ago. And people weren't happy with it. And so you're kind of getting a second serving of it. And, and the person who wrote, uh, of course, you had the writer of the of the of X3 basically writing and directing Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix okay. and first time director. And then the hits keep on coming because they don't want the movie to play after the two big Marvel tentpole films. Obviously you don't want that to happen, 
But that's what happened. And the reason that happened was because they had a they had a November of last year. Uh, they were going to release it then. And allegedly what happened was James Cameron, who did Alita Battle Angel, who produced Alita Battle Angel, didn't want that movie playing in December because he didn't want it. He didn't want to have to, to play opposite of Aquaman and other other Christmas films. And so he decided that, no, we should do this in November. And because he's James Cameron, allegedly what happened was he went to he went to Warner Brothers and said, I want this. I want the spot in November. And they gave it to him. And so Dark Phoenix got kicked to June. You know, so it's they had shot it as a film, the play before Christmas. It was going to it wasn't a big summer blockbuster. So it was too big to be small, too small to be big. <laughs> and so they put it in the absolutely the worst place you could put this kind of a movie. Plus, they had to do a bunch of reshoots because a lot of the stuff was very similar to Captain Marvel. Wow. And when I saw the film, I saw even more things because we talked about some of the stuff. <laughs> but the aliens in the movie, basically, they wound up having to recon, uh, retcon them. As the aliens, the planet that the Phoenix Force destroys, they're they're from that planet. They're that race. But when you see when you see them and you see them basically changing into human beings, you realize, oh my God, these guys—they were scrolls. They were using the scrolls. And unfortunately, of course, in Captain Marvel, you have the scrolls, and so they had to completely change all of that as well and turn them turn them into other types of aliens. So this movie never had a chance at all. There was so many things going against it. And to be honest, I mean, the uh, the producers of the film and Warner Brothers said, hey, we we totally got it wrong. We thought that, that the problems that uh, Apocalypse had and, and we, we talked about this was another problem that they had because Apocalypse didn't do so well. I mean, it didn't lose money, but it certainly wasn't as popular as they had hoped. And uh, Warner Brothers admitted they took the wrong lesson away from Apocalypse. They thought the problem was it was too big and flashy and showy and, and explosions. <laughs> so let's make it a more intimate film. In fact, the final scene was only going to be be- between just a, a handful of characters. It wasn't going to even be the whole team fighting. Just two or three. I think uh, Jean Grey, the, the head alien, uh, Magneto, and Charles Xavier. That That was it. And... So it would have been even worse if you'd have done that. But they thought, well, apparently the fans want a more intimate X-Men movie, which maybe around November, maybe you could have gotten away with that. But, you know, in the middle of June, right before the summer blockbuster season, definitely that wasn't going to work. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of blame to be be put all over this film and a lot of different things that didn't work. And like I said, this film really didn't stand a chance. But one thing I tell you whose fault it wasn't. It wasn't Sophie Turner's fault. <laughs> and being the lead of the film, I don't know how much grief she's gotten. I don't know how much grief she's planning on getting, but none of it is is earned at all. I'm telling you right now, she worked her tail off in this film mm-hmm. with every, th- every single possible detriment that was piled onto this film. I thought her performance was great. The hand that she was dealt, the, the terrible bad hand she was dealt, I think she... She did um, better than a lot of people would have done in that situation. And, I mean, you had Jennifer Lawrence, which, again, people are saying, oh, she she basically phoned in her performance. 
And I don't know if that's exactly fair. It certainly wasn't type of performance we're used to from her. But then again, she got the, uh, the psycho- of the- well, she got the Cyclops uh, send off in this uh, movie. Mm-hmm. They killed her off just like they killed off Cyclops in, in X3, mm-hmm. you know. Right at the beginning. and Right at the beginning yeah. and uh, with, uh, you know, barely any fanfare in the whole thing. So, yeah, it was pretty crappy. But, but yeah, the thing is, it's like, I know that because she's the lead in this movie that I can see people wanting to pile up on her. Mm-hmm. And I think none of it's deserved whatsoever. I think she was one of the, the shining lights in this movie. Mm-hmm to my mind but there were a couple of interesting things that popped up about the film that i wanted to bring up one of them and this is a bit of a conspiracy theory but i personally think this was just a coincidence i'm willing to amuse myself to believe it was completely uh, deliberate but if you remember in uh deadpool 2 the the scene where deadpool is in the x-mansion and he's complaining about how none of the other x-men ever seem to be around right and then you see uh, the door opens and, and the door opens and it's the X-Men and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. And they close the door. Uh, someone pointed out that the two people that die in Dark Phoenix are not part of the scene. Everybody else <laughs> is there. Did they spoil the deaths in Aww. Dark Phoenix? And the thing about it is the shirt that Quicksilver is wearing. It's a Nirvana shirt that came out in 1992, the time when Dark Phoenix Okay. Out. So everybody's like, oh, dude, Deadpool 2 spoiled the movie. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if it was deliberate because, I mean, let's face it, uh, uh, Sophie Turner, uh, you know, was in deep demand at that point. Of course, she's busy doing Game of Thrones and, of course, Jennifer Lawrence. They may not have been available and they were able to get everybody else together to do this, but mm-hmm. they weren't available. But yeah. So, like I said, probably a coincidence, maybe. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not. Uh, Totally unwilling to put on my tinfoil hat. Something else that I saw about the movie, and then we'll, I'll, I'll give you my review. But okay. one thing that uh, I, I saw an article on Sci-Fi Wire talking about Dark Phoenix, and they said, you didn't really need the Dark Phoenix movie because it's already been done to perfection. In the 90s cartoon? or In Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. The, yes. In the comic book? or No, in the show. Okay. Do you remember Willow when uh, when she went dark witch? Oh, yeah, when she was addicted to magic and yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they yep. said uh, it's basically the plot of Dark Phoenix. She was the character that everybody thought was, you know, she was nice a side. and sweet until. The, the, side, the side character that was mm-hmm. kind of the weakest uh, person in the whole group. And then she became powerful and then power corrupted her mm-hmm. and wound up having to fight her friends. And so. And I hadn't thought of that. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's that it. When they killed the love of her life. And and then she went off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, yes, it's sort of the Dark Phoenix story. Mm-hmm. It? Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that this that the story was told over several uh, seasons, you had the time to kind of build all that up where, you know, where you had a movie and a half to do it, um, you know, for Dark Phoenix. And so I, I had to say, yeah, I, I can see where that, mm-hmm. that, that, that totally makes sense. And so... So what did I think of Dark Phoenix? <laughs> it wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. That's I'll, I'll That's just a, say that. It's a great review. Not yeah. as bad as they're saying. No. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have mad trashed this film. I don't think it was 
I think really a lot of its failure is through the strength of its own bad reviews Mm -hmm. and everything that just that went against it. I think Mm -hmm. people just decided they weren't going to watch this film. Uh, Me, I didn't expect a lot going into it, but I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was a great film. It seemed like a, a smaller film, definitely, especially when you're dealing with something, you know, we just got out of... Avengers Endgame, Avengers Endgame, which is still in the theaters at this point. Mm-hmm. And you had this huge, massive, epic film. And then you had this really intimate, small film about cosmic power, which mm-hmm. I don't think that works. <laughs> just- <laughs> so tell me, um, in this year's disappointing comic book movies, would you say Dark Phoenix or Hellboy? Who wins? Uh, I'd have to say Hellboy's going to win that one. <laughs> Uh, because that's like I said, Dark Phoenix was a better movie than, than reviews will have you say. <laughs> Everything that the reviewers had to say about Hellboy, they weren't wrong. <laughs> Does, I mean, that's, that's, I'm sorry. Uh, David Harbert, I thought was a great Hellboy, but that movie was, had problems, huge <laughs> problems. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly, Dark Phoenix was not nearly as bad as Hellboy was. And like I said, I will say it felt like a comic book movie in the 90s. And I say that in the worst way, because hmm. we've moved on from that. Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, uh, like the first X-Men movie, you know, before things uh, really popped off with superhero movies and mm-hmm. they got became bigger and more, they became more cosmic and they had yeah, far as, reaching. And you had As the, Jennifer Garner described it uh, when they did Daredevil and Elektra, she said no one knew how to do a comic book movie. It was like throwing spaghetti at a wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like they went back to eat the spaghetti in this movie. <laughs> That's basically what happened. It it felt like a smaller, certainly a smaller film, and we've seen bigger and we've seen better. And ultimately, I think that's what wrecked the film. I, everybody in the film, for the most part, I think they, uh, let's face it, you know, Michael Fassbender does not phone in anything, <laughs> you know, and James McAvoy the same way. I mean, Nobody was filming anything in. Everybody tried really hard. Oh, come on. You seen Split? He just, yeah. He just came in and was like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, him filming in is better than a lot of actors trying their best. <laughs> let's be honest. But yeah, there's just, this movie wasn't, this movie did, and I, I've said this a bunch of times on this podcast, and I, this movie just did not have a chance. It was never going to succeed. There was too much working against it. And I remember seeing the first X-Men movie and how much I enjoyed it. I hate that this entire series basically ended this way. But now the X-Men are in Marvel's court. And I guess, I don't know when, uh, we'll see the mutants again in some shape or form. Uh, When that'll happen, there's no telling. But like I said, I, I hate that this is the way that it ended in Fox. But it's not the end of the X-Men we'll uh, by forward, any question. Look forward to the future. Right. And so before we go, I just wanted to let the Geek Watchers know out there, uh, we are going on hiatus for a couple of weeks. Uh, Mm -hmm. We will be back in July. And the reason for that is because, Mandy, you're going to be busy. I am. I am in a show. I am in a uh, a rock opera musical of Jack the Ripper. Right. (laughs) Yes. And uh, this is a production. It's a local production. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, Katie, and Mark uh, Scarpelli, right? Mm-hmm. And they've put this on a few times, and you've been in a you've yeah. been in mm-hmm. a couple of times, I believe, mm-hmm. already. Yep. And so, you want to talk a little bit about your role? Uh, yes, both times I've done this show, I have played a uh, a, a real 
life person. And this time I'm playing Catherine Eddowes. Uh, she was a victim of Jack the Ripper, one that they consider of the canonical five mm-hmm. victims. And I've done a lot of research on her. She was, <laughs> she was not, she was not a good person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've tried to, tried to make her a little bit funny, but, uh, the night she died, she had been arrested for fighting because prostitution was not then nor is it now illegal in london so she was arrested for fighting (laughs) and she she gave the police mary kelly's name (laughs) she was and um she was always after her children for money we're not saying she deserved to be slaughtered in such a way but playing her has definitely been fun and this what's interesting about this production is it's not a mystery you know who jack the ripper is from the beginning and it's uh somewhat based on the sickert theory mm-hmm. um that the painter oh what was his first name frederick sickert or william sickert he was a painter mm-hmm. and there was you know theories that this painter was the uh jack the ripper i think since then it's been proven that he wasn't but it's one of the uh one of the early theories about jack the ripper but it's it's exciting and it's it's a really beautiful piece our friend uh kevin that you do real deal with right. uh, he is playing inspector aberlean this is the third time he's He's performed that role. So that was the lead investigator of the Jack the Ripper uh, murders. So it's really good. You know, it's it's pretty awesome. I'm having a good time with it. Oh, yeah. And so what are, what are the dates for the... Uh... It is June 20th, 21st, and 22nd, and then uh, a week later. I think that's the 28th, 29th, and 30th, Right, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh... Any of the geek watchers that happen to be history buffs. <laughs> yeah. If you're in the Charleston, West Virginia area, mm-hmm. definitely come out and check out the show. I'm going to try to catch it uh, opening night. Nice. But because, because of course, you've got two weeks of shows, right. we're, we are going to go on hiatus, but we will pick up again in July, July. And we will have a lot of things to talk about because we'll have some movies that will have come out by then, mm. including Spider Man Far From Home. And we will, oh, yes. we will be talking about that mm-hmm. on the next podcast. And so. Check back with us and, and uh, follow us on uh, Facebook. And, of course, uh, I'll be posting on the Facebook page uh, over the, the, the couple of weeks. And uh, when we're ready to start back up again, you know, tune back in in, in July and we will talk about uh, what's been going on uh, in the meantime. And yeah, so- until then, go back and listen to our old recordings and see how wrong we were on our theories. <laughs> or at least how wrong I was. Um, <laughs> You know, some of us predicted a helicopter. So so with that said, we come to the end of episode 71 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petri, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. We'll see you in July. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch podcast is a Hanging J production.